0: Find one under a pew chair near you and turn to Psalm 79. The title for the sermon this morning comes from an incident that happened when I was a young teenager. Our neighbor kid, who was also a teenager, was hunting groundhogs at our farm, and uh, while he was doing that, he shot a fox that was uh, taking up residence in one of those uh, groundhog holes. And he also said that when he was there, he saw that that fox had little ones. So, three brothers and a neighbor kid decided we wanted a pet fox. So, we got picks and shovels, we went back to the pasture, and we dug out the groundhog hole. And sure enough, at the end of it were two fox cubs, and we captured both of them. They were somewhat old. They were too old to try to make them into pets. We didn't know that, of course. We thought we're going to have pet foxes. Uh, Didn't work that way because the first one my brother gave to one of his friends at school. It ran away within a day. We've never heard anything more about that one, but the other one we kept. Now, Not the brightest thing in the world that anyone would ever do, but we had an enclosure about as big as this church building uh, that we kept chickens in on the outside. We had numerous chicken coops inside of it, and one of them was a very small one, about the size of a large, large doghouse. We decided that was a good place to keep the fox. Okay? Now, that is the fox we brought into the chicken pen. Now, no problem because he's caged except that every day he licked his chops, because all around him were my brother's FFA project uh, capons, and they were big, and they were fat and juicy. He didn't like the dog food we fed him, but, um, and he never did become a pet. He growled at us every time we get close to him, bared his teeth, and those things are sharp. Man, I've never seen anything that sharp, but anyhow, one day, don't know how it happened, nobody blames anybody, but it happened. Either somebody forgot to shut it right, they didn't, uh, or shut it at all, or he bumped it open. We don't know how, but he got out of his little chicken coop, and he went crazy. He just started killing chickens right and left. He wasn't eating them. He was killing them and moving to the next one. Of course, that raised a ruckus. My dad and my brother saw it. One of them went and got a gun and uh, finally put a couple of uh, bullets into him and stopped him. Meanwhile, the FFA project was pretty much ruined. There was no profit in that one uh, because the ones he, he didn't kill them all, but he killed a number of them, and uh, he also wounded a couple others that they had to, you know, put out of their misery at that point. We laugh at that and say, how stupid could a bunch of teenage boys be? They can be pretty stupid. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, But here's the point. We brought the fox into the chicken pen. What do you expect? You see my first point. is because we as a church, we as Christians have allowed, we have brought the world into the church. And then we moan and groan about what happens in the church. The truth of the matter is, we need to deal with it. This morning, we are looking at Psalm 79. We are going to look at it in a very hasty manner, but we are going to take what had happened in the nation of Israel and apply it to us. This is not about the church. It's about Israel. You see, Israel had been brought out of Egypt. We saw that last time I preached. They'd been brought out of Egypt, and God had blessed them in so many ways. But as they came into the promised land, they brought and accepted the pagan gods from around them. The pagan ways that had been practiced long before they came into the promised land. And then they wondered why they weren't prospering as a nation. Why God was bringing judgment. In fact, as God didn't even need to bring judgment, all He had to do was let the natural consequences of their wrong living, their sinful living, come down on them. The New Testament says that the things that are written in the Old Testament are for our instruction, for our example. And this morning, I am using this passage in that general direction. God had to judge the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel cried out to the Lord, Why are all these people oppressing us? Why do we have all these bad things happening? And what they didn't recognize most of the time is that they themselves had brought the fox into the chicken pen. We can very easily do the same thing in the church. If you would take your attention, please, to Psalm 79 verse 1. O God, the psalmist writes, the nations have invaded thine inheritance. They have defiled thy holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the dead bodies of thy servants for food to the birds of the heavens. The flesh of thy godly ones to the beasts of the field. They have poured out their blood like water around Jerusalem, and there is no one to bury them. Just like that fox. He wasn't burying anything. He was just killing and letting it lay. The psalmist says, God, why is it that we are under attack? Why are we dying? Why is there even no decor? No funeral?" no mourning. Why is it so bad? And verse 4 is the most telling of all. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and a derision to those around us. You see, Israel was to be God's light to the world, but they never did become the world, like to the world. They stuck to themselves. They spent everything on themselves. They did it for themselves. They stayed to themselves. And not only that, but they rotted from the inside because they allowed sin in their midst and never dealt with it. Oh, occasionally they dealt with it, but then they went right back into their sin. They paid the consequences, and then God finally judged them. The nation that was to be a testimony to the rest of the world became a laughing stock of reproach as it says here. I all you need to do is listen to the news, listen to people talk and you will know that the church does not have the reputation that it should have. We should be and are called to be salt and light in the world. We are to take the gospel to the world. We do a pretty good job of sending people and sending money and praying but sometimes we just allow the world just to infiltrate the church. In fact, as we invite it in, we accept it with open arms, just like Israel did. God says that we, he will judge us and that we, instead of being the testimony that we should be, we will be a laughingstock. We will be a reproach. Verse five goes on to say, how long, O Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Will thy jealousy burn like fire? God, when's this going to be over? When is it going to happen that we are going to have peace? We're going to be the testimony. I knew this uh, for a long time, and I went and looked it up on the internet. We have met the enemy, and he is us. I got to tell you, the enemy of the church is not communism, even though brother, brother Joseph will tell us it definitely is an enemy. And in Kazakhstan, it's not the government, even though They will tell us that it's the enemy. That's all true. Our government is not the enemy. We're the enemy because we invite the world into the church. We allow the sins of the world into our lives. And then we wonder why our testimony is so lousy. Why people don't respect us and don't listen to what we have to say. We wonder why they don't believe the Bible, why they don't believe God, because they don't see it in us. We are indeed walking, talking Bibles. The world doesn't read the Bible, but they read you. They look at you. You say you believe in Jesus. He's forgiven your sins and you live in sin. How in the world do you expect somebody to believe in the Jesus we talk about is death, burial, and resurrection? We say we believe the Bible. We read it and we practice it. Or do we? Oh, we read it. Oh, but we kind of do our own thing. Why should they believe what we tell them? We have become a reproach. Well, not necessarily you personally, but the church as a whole. Congregations as a whole. But I will tell you, individual Christians are what makes up all of those. And yes, if we allow the, hen, the fox into the hen house, we will be a reproach. And God indeed will judge us. Just think about this. In the years that I've been a Christian all the scandals that have gone through the church. And I just put together a couple. Please do not think I'm picking on anybody here because you you could go on and on and on and on. But anybody listen to the news lately? And by the way, you might say that's the Catholic church. The world doesn't say they're Catholic Christians and Protestant. They just say Christians. I'm telling you, the church as a whole, those that claim Christ, we've got a bad reputation, folks. I hope we're not part of it. I hope you're not a part of it. But as a whole, let's face it, even the Pope is being questioned for covering up immorality when he was, uh, I believe, a cardinal, I believe, or something like that. In the United States, priests are being uh, pulled up on charges because they molested boys. Other countries, the same thing. It's not just the United States. around the world. But don't think it's the Catholic Church only. Because in my lifetime... Okay, I'll get to the right one. My lifetime, I was in college when this happened. Time Magazine had Jimmy Swigert and Jim Baker on the cover at the same time. Now, I've got to tell you, they are only representative because people know those names. The first one, Jim Baker, because of the prosperity gospel. By the way, in case you haven't done this, I got a quote from his book that he read. Why I was wrong, I think is what it says. He said, for the first time in his life, when he was in jail, he read the Bible from cover to cover. And this is what he said. As a result of that, he recognized that he had led people astray because he took verses out of context and preached a prosperity gospel. And he repented of that. Praise the Lord, he repented. But he also said, I led people astray in the process. Because he told them, if you're a Christian and you ask God, he's going to give it to you. And he's going to give you more and more and more. And that's what it's about. It was not what it was about. In fact, as he practiced that, there are 165,000 people who had a class action lawsuit against him. That represents millions and millions of dollars that they sent to him that was misappropriated. 3.5 million of that went to him himself as bonuses. Praise the Lord, he's out of that now. Jimmy Swigert, obviously you may remember the sex scandal that he was in with a prostitute. And then there's the latest one. Maybe you know this guy, maybe you don't, because he wasn't as... in the media as much, but Ted Ted Haggard, the pastor of a church that he founded and was pastor of of 14,000 people. He was also the president of the National Evangelical Association, the biggest association of those that believe the Bible and preach the gospel. And in the midst of that, he came to an end because he had a homosexual uh, relationship with a male prostitute and also a guy in his church. He also bought drugs and got caught in all of this. The point is this. Why does, the, why does the world look at us and say, you're powerless, you've got nothing to offer, we're just as good as you are? Because a lot of times, we allow the fox in the hen house. We allow the world into our lives, and that affects, if you let it in your life, it's going to affect the whole church, and if it affects this church, it affects Christians everywhere. The point is, we need to make sure that we do not allow the world into our lives. It doesn't matter what direction it is. God makes it clear. We are to live pure, holy lives before him. The second point I'd like to look at is the world seems to get away with sin. And that is, why do the wicked prosper? It's one of those questions. We'll probably talk about that in that God questions series somewhere. Well, it looks like the world gets away with it? Why don't we get away with it? You see, when you're a privileged person, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from your sin, and heaven is your home. You're held to a different standard. Shouldn't surprise you. All of you parents know you hold your kids to a higher standard than you hold everybody else's kids. It's the way I was. I'm like I wouldn't let my kids do that or whatever, but. Uh, You know, one of my kids would say, well, my friends are, I don't care, you know what, if they jumped off the deep end, would you too? You know, all that. The point is, God holds his children to a deeper, uh, yeah, deeper, (laughs) That's a deep end, to a higher standard. And yeah, he will judge us. We will get what we really ask for. There's no doubt about it. Look at verse 6. Pour thy wrath out upon the nations which do not know thee, and upon the kingdoms which do not call upon thy name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. See, we want to blame the government. We want to blame unsaved people. We want to blame society. We want to blame everybody but us. Nobody ever made you sin. Nobody drug you there. We go there on our own. We left the fox in the hen house. And yes, God will eventually judge the world. There's no doubt about that. We know that if you're not going to heaven, you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to land up in the lake of fire. You will be ultimately judged. But in the meantime, He is gracious and merciful to them. The psalmist says, destroy them. And we've been doing that. I remember in ministry, and, and uh, I, I wish we had time for Joseph to come up here and talk about this, but I remember people preaching that the enemy is communism. Well, communism fell, and it was shown to be a worthless system. But i got to tell you, the world didn't go away. Sin didn't go away. Pressure didn't go away. Persecution didn't go away. It didn't go away. Why? Because we are weak. We invite the world then, And even if all of those evil forces of this world, and they are evil forces, if they went away, the problem wouldn't go away because we are the ones that are at fault. Remember, we've met the enemy and he is us. You can make a choice to go one direction or the other direction. You need to make that choice. As a church, we need to confess sin. Look at verse 8. Do not remember the iniquities of our forefathers against us. Let thy compassion come quickly to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and forgive our sins for thy name's sake. What we need is repentance. That's a change of mind. Everything the world and society and government and everybody has to offer is not all equally good. We need to have a mind change. The mind change is that we go back to the scriptures. We go back to God himself. We go back to Jesus Christ and his finished work. We go back and allow the Holy Spirit in power and conviction and teaching in our lives. That's where we need to come from. We need to have a change of mind that there is right and wrong. There's black and white. There are absolutes. There is sin and there is righteousness. There is living in pollution and there is holiness. We need to come to those conclusions. If we don't, we'll never confess our sins. We'll never ask God to forgive us. Forgiveness is never on the basis of what you have done or how good you are. It's always on the basis of a perfect finished work that Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. That's why I encourage you, if you haven't signed up to come tonight on the bulletin board, sign up. Come and participate in that fellowship meal and that time where, once again, we're reminded of the great sacrifice that Christ has given on our behalf. We are to do that continually, but if we blame others for our conditions, we blame others, and Don't look to ourselves and confess sin. We're looking in the wrong direction. If we're to minister to a messed up world, we need to have our ducks in a row. We need to have our lives straightened out because we have nothing to offer to the world. Those that are dying in darkness and going to to hell, we don't have a message for them they're going to listen to if we ourselves don't have our lives under control. We need to do that. Two more points. The church needs to regain its influence. Verse 10 says, Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Let there be known among the nations uh, uh, in their sight. <clears throat> God's saying, and the, the psalmist is saying, I'm sorry. Why are they saying, Where is their God? Because there's a discrepancy between what we say and what we actually do. Now, the psalmist wants to lash out, but God makes it clear. We are the issue. We need to make sure that we personally, on a personal basis... See, people see you as an individual. They see you attached to Garden Chapel, if you come here regularly. They see you as a neighbor. They see you in very many different ways. How do they see you as a Christian? Does it make any difference? Does your life have an impact and influence on them and then we can look at the church as a whole and say how does the church influence society if you want to do a little history look at the history of our country and see if the church had an influence when it started i guarantee you it did i guarantee you we're losing it one quick illustration um Last week, I don't know if it was Sunday night or prayer meeting, I asked people to pray for me. I went to the first tractor pull, garden tractor pull of the season. Okay, you all know that's what I like to do. And I asked people to pray that I would have a good influence, that I would be a good testimony. Now, that's kind of one of those trite things you ask. And and I, I meant that, of course, but I had no clue as to what was in store for me. I was not running this, and it wasn't an outreach of Garden Chapel. I was just there, and I was helping with it as the, and I need to give you just a slight bit of background or it won't make any sense, but as we were setting up the sleds, the pulling sleds to, to uh, hook the tractors to, we need to adjust to them. And so they randomly picked some guys out to uh, hook their tractors to the sled to test it. It wasn't working very well, and finally the one guy who knew me said, hey, you got your tractor here, hook it up and, and pull, see how it works. So I did, and I blew out the end, and they had to fix it again, and then I blew out the end, and they fixed it again, and finally they stopped me. Well, another guy had just gone before me and his tractor, if he would have stopped and asked me, I would have told him, I would have taken an hour and told him how to make his tractor work. But he didn't do that. We had a driver's meeting after it was over. And when it was done and the guy who was running the driver's, the, the, the pole, was standing up on top of the sled. So he was about as high as I am above the congregation here. And this kid, is it's over, he says, anybody else have any questions? He puts his hand up and says, I got a, I got a problem. And I guess they saw it in his eyes that he was looking for trouble. And he said, well, if you've got a problem, you step up here and you tell us what your problem is. i tell you what, it was the best thing they could have done. This kid gets up there, and uh, I don't know if he knew him or not and knew he was a troublemaker. I have no idea. He said, my problem is there are people cheating here, and it begins with Garden Chapel. Seriously, I'm so glad I asked people to pray. Now, the only person he knew from Garden Chapel was me. He knew nobody else because he's from West Virginia. I'll tell you what, the guy did the right thing. He said, well, you know what the rules are. You put up $100 and we'll tech his tractor. And that is the rule that that most people use. He didn't say a thing. Step down. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do about this? Thanks for praying, folks. I've got to tell you. And and he was complaining, he was, Jason Jordan was doing his job, he was helping tech the tractor, he was complaining the tachometer was off and every, everybody else's, it was right, except his. Anyway, and I thought, okay, what am I going to do? He just drugged me through the mud, he drug Garden Chapel through the mud. I asked people to pray that I have a testimony. Here's what I did, I walked over to him, <laughs> I stuck out my hand, I said, no hard feelings, if you want to find out what my tractor's got in it, feel free. I sh- he wouldn't look at me, he wouldn't shake my hand. You know what? All I know is I didn't have a big testimony. All I knew was he made himself look bad. And I had an opportunity to say, you can feel free to look at my tractor because I have nothing to hide. It's legal. I got to tell you, I hope my whole life is that way. That whatever happens, you will hear stuff about me and I will hear stuff about you. I hope if I come to you or you come to me and you say, hey, Pastor Paul, I heard this about you, or I come to Kyle and I say, Kyle, I heard this about you, I hope you can go, go ahead, check, check. Because I've got nothing to hide. Because I'm living the way Christ has provided that I could live. In holiness, in righteousness, living right, doing what is right. By the way, I never expected that. I got to tell you, it comes from that. But I got to tell you, there's one last thing. Because I can do this. I can praise the Lord. Because I could, the rest of the day, you know, other guys were talking to me about that. Because everybody there heard that. There wasn't an isolated thing. Everybody heard that. But you know what? We have no excuse for not praising the Lord. Look at verse 13, the last verse. So we, thy people, and the sheep of thy pasture will give thanks to thee forever. To all generations, we will tell of thy praise. It may be tough. You may be going through tough times. You may think the world has just crashed on you. You may believe that you're the victim of everything. That that may be true. And you may be being blasted. But I got to tell you, the psalmist, while he wanted to blast everyone else, he made it clear that we need to check ourselves. And in the end, he made it clear that we have no excuse for not praising God because he is a great God. He has done great work and he continues to do great work. And let's face it, folks, the retirement benefits are out of this world because He's given us a home with Him, away from the presence of all these things. That's our end result. Let's stand together as we close in prayer.